NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yep. It's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. All right, after a comically long trial in the Nets... He's now the newly minted CEO of Cricket Australia. He's got no My Cricket stats, to my knowledge, um, that I can deduce, but he played juniors at Oxford University before going on to clubs like PWC, the London Olympics, the Cricket World Cup, the ICC, and now Cricket Australia. Uh, Like two predecessors before him, he's courageously opted to submit himself to the Grade Cricketer podcast, which will undoubtedly be the toughest interview he'll have done this morning. Um, Nick Hockley, welcome to the Grade Cricketer. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Nick, uh, congratulations on the role. Uh, I'll start with the question that everyone wants to know uh, and will be most important to your chances of success in the role. Uh, James Sutherland and Kevin Roberts played first-class cricket, but I can't find any Crick Info bio for you. If you didn't face aggressive Australian cricketers in the 90s, can the public be expected to trust you? And moreover, what is your playing relationship to cricket? Oh, well, um, cricket cricket was my first love, and... Um, I made it through to the mighty heights of Warwickshire under-13s. Yeah, nice. So the highlight of this week has been, actually, I got a message from on LinkedIn from Richard Cox, who was the academy director at Warwickshire, and he said, um, he said, handy medium pacer who nipped it around a bit. Which I thought <laughs> that was actually... Um, I thought I'll take I'll take that. But no, my, um, my dad was... My dad played for Middlesex Young Amateurs, so cricket was... Um, in our household, um, we shared a back fence with Dennis Amos. So, um, and um, I played my club cricket for a club called West Bromwich Dartmouth in the Birmingham League up, up through until to, until sixteen. Mm. And I suppose what what happened for me was, um, you know, a lot of the players that I played with went on had very successful county careers. The likes of Mark War, without a U, uh, and uh, <laughs> Anurag Anurag Singh, and. Um, you know, I found that everyone was just getting quicker and quicker. And then one season when I was about 16, 17, I was, um, you know, I got, caught, I got called a bit for having a slightly suspect action. And from then, um, <laughs> from, then, from, then um, from then I really focused in on, on rugby as the game that I played to a decent level. But then, so, so played for England at, at student level at rugby, but um, still played a lot of uh, a lot of club cricket, a lot of a lot of social cricket. So cricket was my was my first love, and I've spent the last nine years working on Australian cricket and loved every single minute of it. Unbelievable! The new CEO of Cricket Australia chucked it. That's Got a call the, for jugging. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable! I mean, yeah, I, I know that you're a, you're a well accomplished rugby player, Nick. I mean, like, how good are we talking? Are we talking semi pro, bit of rep stuff, club stuff. Like, what are we what are we looking at here? Yeah, well, it's probably the reason I'm in, I end up in Australia. I live with three Aussies 
at, at uni and um, I played my club rugby for, for Mosley. Yeah. So that's, uh, that was second division at the time. Um, played uh, that was just when it went semi-pro or just when it went pro, 95, 96. Um, so um, I wouldn't say I was full-time professional, but um, the first year of my career, um, played played in the in the second division, and as I said, I played played for England at, at student level, but had to make the decision whether I wanted to go full full time or whether I want to co- concentrate on my career. And you know, I reckon um, I um, I reckon I'm, I maxed out of my my potential my potential. But I did get to play in front of a full house at Twickenham in front of seventy five thousand. So um, so really lived up, you know. Really, um, that was a that was a, a childhood dream of mine. I bet it was. Yeah, how did that, how did that happen? How did you play in front of seventy five thousand? So that was in the university game, Oxford versus Cambridge. So, right. uh, and um, again, as I said, lived with three Aussies yeah. at the time. We had three three load of Aussies playing in that match. Mm. Uh, who became great mates, and which is why why I came out to Australia and and eventually ended up here. Yeah, yeah. Sydney Uni versus UTS uh, in the cricket here doesn't get as many people. Um, <laughs> so, so Nick, we speaking of being in Sydney, you we invited you into the studio here in Melbourne, but you're in Sydney, and we were we we're actually stirred by that as ex Sydney guys. Um, you know, is it true now that like is, can we say now that the balance of power is uh, in cricket is moving back to cricket's most supreme state? Um, now it's helmed by a rugby man, so presumably you don't worship at the altar of AFL, which will be um, oh, yeah. very stirring for a lot of other people as well, and very upsetting for many uh, down <laughs> here. But um, why? Why was it Sydney for you? Uh, was it love? Well, my wife, my wife's from Sydney, mm. and um, when we moved back from London over to start, I started work on the Cricket World Cup, and we started out in in Melbourne. I, f- I just found there's just been loads of travel with these jobs and. Um, my wife's, you know, all her family are here. And, you know, what's worked out over time is living in Sydney, but then commuting down to Melbourne, I really get, get the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you think about all our, our partners, our broadcasters, uh, the cricketing media, um, aside from yourselves, um, you know, there's, there's, there's a good number of people in, in both markets and, so it just seems to have worked well that we've got a got a system, and this is really a national role, and a lot of travel around the country, and in normal times internationally. So um, you know, it makes sense to have our support network close by. But um, as the guys will tell you down at, at Cricket Australia, I'm tip- typically down there um, when we when we can travel. I'm down there at least three days a week. Okay, but. Obviously, the water's nicer in Sydney. And um, <laughs> the other thing that I've gleaned, because we do do a lot of research into these interviews, and it might surprise you, is that the, the other reason Sydney might appeal to you is because my understanding is you, you actually met your wife at um, mansions uh, in King's Cross. So would you... Well, you've done your research well. One of the great circuits. Fingers a lot of pies, Nick. Fingers a lot of pies. And CCTV footage. But what are your recollections of mansions back in the day? I got a few. Oh goodness! Well, I, it's it's true. I did meet Lauren at Mansions, and um, I was I was basically wingman for a great mate of mine, um, Grant, who we played rugby together. And he said, oh, "I've met this girl. I, re- I really, I need a I need a wingman." And it was a Sunday night, and you know those Sunday nights where you just yeah, got an absolute oh. 
you got a lot to do the next one. I said, and a lot of work to do the next day. I said, Grant, <laughs> no, mate, do I really have to come? And anyway, he just goes, mate, I really like this girl. Well, he's ended up marrying Hannah and uh, there was nowhere open it, nowhere else open. So yeah, we ended up across, we ended up at mansions yeah. and uh, met, met Lauren and the rest, as they say, is history. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> I just, sorry, I just, I took to myself back to some of the great. Yeah, that's times right. You just, you just blacked out a little bit. Yeah. There. Mm. <laughs> uh, Nick, um, w- w- just onto, I suppose, administrative matters or cricketing matters. Like what, you know, when it comes to the sporting stage with with the the glitz, the glamour, players, commentators, like. I don't know about other countries, but I know here, you know, sports administrators are like hardly looked upon as rock stars, uh, and that that can sometimes be viewed with the same kind of skepticism as politicians, or, or that's rever- reserved for politicians. Like with that in mind, you know, can administrators ever be popular, uh, and does that matter to you? I mean, what matters to me is doing a doing a really good job and doing everything we can to to grow the sport and and make a contribution to the community, but. What I do find interesting in Australia, as compared to probably to the UK, there's just so much interest in the business of sport. Mm. Um, and I think that's, I think it's great because it, it holds everyone to account. Um, it shows how much people care about the sport. Um, but, you know, my view is um, and, and will be that, you know, the stars of the show, the cricketers, and um, our job is to, um, put in place the very best conditions to everyone to to succeed and but equally we need to kind of we need to front up if there are issues we really need to need to front up so um the the if you like the the i'm not one to necessarily seek the limelight or or the kind of the the public attention for me it's about you know doing an amazing job of growing the sport delivering incredible experiences and um you know, I'll continue to do that. In terms of in terms of um, grey cricket, Nick. I mean, the, our feeling was when we were so, sort of the, the end of our playing days here was that there was a gradual separation over the last sort of twenty years between you know the grassroots grey cricket and the Australian men's team that because there was such an intricate link previously, you know, during the most uh, the sort of strongest era of Australian cricket, especially there was this really tight link between grey cricket and the international team. And then that sort of slowly dissipated and slowly separated. And I sort of wonder now with, there's no doubt there would have been huge lost revenues for, for every sporting organisation, not just Cricket Australia, but I imagine that would be the case for you guys right now. But there's still all these people and clubs like struggling to survive really during COVID, you know? So what I'm asking, I suppose is, you know, even though there's this uh, sort of rebuilding phase for CA and trying to get those revenues and trying to keep the game building and stuff, can clubs around the country still rely on CA for the grants and just to keep the, you know, just to, just to keep the game alive in these sort of, um, you know, each individual community. Yeah. I I think the cricketing ecosystem, I mean, it's really complicated. It's intricate. It's interlinked. It's, um, it's actually kind of really finely, finely balanced, but it is all very much, it's very much interlinked. And, you know, I see the, the elite game. It's about providing inspiration to encourage more people to come into the game at a, a community level. But equally, the elite game is about, it's really about um, creating as much value as possible so that we can, we can then reinvest it in, in the community. Mm. Um, so I, yeah, in this role, I'm very focused on making sure that from a, you know, we operate in a globe in a global entertainment business. It's a really sophisticated, very competitive business, and you know, part of the job is to make sure that is as commercially as successful as possible, so that we can actually then 
re reinvest and invest in growing the game at, at a community level. So um, certainly I think that's a really fundamental purpose of, of the elite level game. Mm. And yeah, I mean, I, we talked a bit about rugby earlier. I mean, that's, that is a, a you know, something of, a, I mean, I think they're doing a, a they're doing, they're doing a good job, good job, but that's something of a cautionary tale that mm. if we don't, if we don't invest in the grassroots um, and growing the game, then, um, then what can happen? Yeah. At that top end of the spectrum there, Nick, uh, this is going to fire some maths at you here. Australia has 26 million people. India has 1.5 billion people, apparently. <laughs> Australians are not satisfied unless every one of our teams are dominant superpowers at all costs and all times. And yet India will soon have five teams that can probably do that. <laughs> what are you going to do to ensure we become the greatest again, even though it would appear mathematically impossible to compete with India now and into the future in what is in what we're calling, as well as Kevin Rudd is calling, the Asian century? <laughs> Well, I think we've proven that um, we're, we are we have been the best. We can be the best. I think we've been a we've been a, a major exporter of the best coaches, uh, the best talent, the best players. I mean, you you know, you look at at any metric. You look at the IPL auction. You look at the number of coaches, support staff in the IPL. Um, so actually, India are looking to us for for a lot of support. But I think it's it is there's for me there's no silver bullet it's making sure the system is as effective as possible at every single level um all the way through and i think it's fantastic that the australian public demands nothing less than the best in the world hmm. when you um when you uh sort of go into meetings nick with like governments and organizing tours and that sort of thing who's the alpha in the room when you're walking in do the governments like you know what? We just want we just want the cricket Australian money coming. You know, bring the circus to town, play the games. People spend the money, especially during COVID times. I imagine, or do you have to do some convincing? You know, when you walk into those big meetings with the governments trying to get those games going, who's who's the who's the big swinging dick in town? Yeah. So it's, well, I'll tell you what. The big I reckon it's the game itself, and what's been incredible through COVID is that the people just want to help and they want to see it succeed because mm. people absolutely love our national sport so for me going into those going into those meetings when you know whether it's getting international touring sites into the country whether it's you know, playing you know needing to find a home for particular matches that we've had to move at really last minute getting contingencies on standby any of those things it's um i mean literally you just you have to pick up the phone and people want to go how can how can we help mm. Uh, and that's a very, it's a very humbling thing in, in this in this position. But I think it all boils down to the fact that cricket's place in the community and people can see the value. So um, I don't, I wouldn't say there's, you know, an alpha. I think there's probably quite a few alphas all sitting around seeing how we can, um, you know, make it as successful as we possibly can. But uh, yeah, I've I've found it, I've found it in my time. It, you know, just the support we've had from governments. All around the country, it's just been um, been absolutely phenomenal. How important is it to be able to be alpha as a CEO? You know, what, what's your sort of alpha Gotta level? Alpha. What's it, what, do you have a yeah. brand of? There's different brands of alphadom out there. You know, like how would people describe Nick Hockley's mm. sense of alphadom? Some people reject the premise altogether. You know, what, what's your relationship to alpha life? Well, I think 
I would say I describe my leadership style as quite an inclusive style of leadership and wanting to hear everyone's opinions and you know no there's no monopoly on on good ideas um you know where I probably get alpha is if kind of wheels are spinning we're not making forward progress and then I'll um, make a call and we and we move hard move forward but my starting my starting pre- premise is to um is to try and get everyone on the same page like it uh on that note nick speaking of like wheels spinning or high powered meetings uh i was going to ask you an important question it's one that we've asked our predecessors as well James Sutherland and Kevin Roberts. I'm going to ask it word for word how we ask them because it is the question that best captures the state of playing cricket. Do you get champed by the BCCI? <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what. They, um, my relationship with the BCCI, I think, has been quite unique to COVID. Yeah. Um, you know, normally, as I'm, I'm informed, there's kind of, you know, there's formal letters and, you know, there might be a, a week or two or even maybe more goes by with the exchange of correspondence. We've literally been on Zoom three times a day for 12 months. And now, you know, it all happens on, on WhatsApp. So, you know, I've, I think this, this period, we've all had to work so much closer together. We all got to know each other very well. And, yeah, I'll tell you what, I really feel for them at the moment. My goodness, with the... Um, postponement the IPL I mean everyone we speak to has got lost friends and family it's pretty it's pretty um it's just pretty devastating what's going over there so I tell you we're just really thinking of all our mates over there at the moment um and I have to say they've just been brilliant they were brilliant in the fact they came over here they quarantined uh they were brilliant and they got all our players back from the IPL so um I have to say um They've just been. I've just been. They've just actually been brilliant to deal with. How's how's the relationship with Surav Ganguly? Like mm. when when you when you message him on WhatsApp, you know, are you addressing him as Dada? Does he make you call mm. you, you know, Mr. Ganguly? <laughs> mm. Does he recite his stats for Test matches and and one and ODI records? I mean, what's the relationship there? He's just really great. He's a good down to earth guy, and he's Is he's he? Surav. Mm. And um, I tell you what, he's yeah, he's there's no one that's more passionate about the game cares more about the game and he's just again he's been an absolute absolute pleasure to deal with mm. um yeah really excited i mean dean been dealing with him recently because we've um, we've got the indian women's team coming out here for for a test match of course, yeah. and yeah i know they're really excited about it. that's a big moment um big moment for them but um yeah as i say look, i found them found them to be you know they're very relatable, very human, and we've all worked together. And I think they all, everyone, everyone at the moment around the world understands that we've got to keep cricket going because that's that's the lifeblood. If we don't keep cricket going, then um, you know the the financial ramifications are very, very significant for everybody. Closer to home, Nick. Uh, speaking of Dada type characters, Peter Vlandis uh, is a CEO contemporary of yours. He's a CEO of Rugby League for our global audience uh, of the NRL. Um, speaking of alphas, uh, he recently detailed his approach to negotiating Rugby League's TV deal with Fox and Channel 9, kind of taking us behind the curtain of how, how it works. Like um, selling the game to TV broadcasters is a pretty 
weighty part of the job, I'd imagine. Um, you know, can you take us behind the curtain of a, of a TV rights deal or something similar? You know, what's it like dealing with the alphas of, of Fox Sports and your great mates at Channel 7? And, um, and, and if I was sitting opposite you in a negotiation, like what sort of combatant would I find in Nick Hockley? I think you find someone who, well, firstly, we're both we're all we're all incentivized in the same direction. Um, you know, we're we're all we're all incentivized to to grow the game. The more the more people that are watching on TV, the better for cricket, um, and the better our you know the better entertainment we put on, the more people are, more people are watching. So, I mean, I've inherited these um, the broadcast deals. I think the relationships massively important. You know, for me, it's making sure that. They've got a real seat at the table and have a say um, because they actually know what works. You know, they're, they're in the entertainment game much broader than cricket, much broader than sport. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm just really, I've really enjoyed, I'm enjoying learning from what's important to them because if we can't deliver something that's important for them, it's not going to, it's not going to derive the value. So what they, 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 well, hopefully they see is someone who really understands value um, and what commercial value is. I mean, I very much spent spent the last 15 years in the commercial side of sport. And, um, you know, through that, I've been very focused on, on building value, um, generating revenue um, to, to, um, to deliver, you know, great sporting events. And um, so they'll come across someone who wants to make sure that they're getting value for money and we're delivering real, real value. Just, on that, I know you keep mentioning uh, the global entertainment business of cricket, which I accept that premise as well. Um, how and, and and media, and and changing media. I mean, look at the, look at whatever this idiotic thing is that we do. <laughs> like how how seriously are you taking big tech streamers? Uh, you know, you guys did a documentary with Amazon. I say you guys, Cricket Australia did a documentary with Amazon. I'm sure that had strategic purpose to it. You don't have to um, respond to that. Like and you know, they hold now small rights for um, New Zealand matches into India. They're making small mm. steps yeah. into that space. There's Google, there's Disney, Facebook, DAZN over in the UK. Uh, you know, is it a matter of when, not if, these players become future rights holders in cricket and sports generally? Well, I think they already are becoming sports rights holders. Uh, I mean, uh, Amazon Prime have now taken, taken the swimming. So I think the you know, the... The barriers to entry are lowering. I think for us, it's about um, building relationships more broadly. You know, I think the the test documentary was a fan, amazing success on Amazon Prime. And if you speak to you know both our free to air and our subscription TV broadcasters here in Australia, they were thrilled with that because it helps build the brand of the game, uh, gives gives you a bit more of an insight into the players. So I think there's room for a whole range of media, including your fantastic podcast. Um, so <laughs> I, I think there's. Um, you know, I think I just think what we're going to see is we're increasing frag- fragmentation, um, but also, um, you know, I think different media is going to have a different role to play. And for us, we're it's all about building building relationships and building a really strong proposition so that we can deliver value to it to everybody. We saw uh, just in the last week, uh, Nick, about uh, you know England, New Zealand, the, the the Test match there, and there was a whole there's a whole conversation going on about England's entire focus is towards the Ashes. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, I want to know. So I'm just choking up. You're just scoffing, thinking about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm guess I'm, I'm guess I'm wondering. You know, please speak for your countrymen uh, and and tell us why England only care about the Ashes. 
Well, I think winning in away ashes for them is just the, is is the ultimate and something they found very difficult to do over a long period of time. And I can tell you now, the work that's going on behind the scenes and um, retaining and winning the ashes well on home soil is something that we're very we're really singularly focused on. So, mm. uh, you know, I think you've got two sides where you've got a lot of lot of experience. You've got some. People may be coming slightly towards the end of their, their careers as well. And, um, you know, it's uh, it was a very tight series over there last time. It's I think it's going to be very competitive. And I think it's going to be, after the last series against India, it's going to be compelling, compelling viewing. Mm. And I, I just can't wait. Mm. Can't wait. Mm. I mean, you say a lot of work's going on behind the scenes, and I I like to hear that. I feel my, my loins are girded, you know, hearing that. But Australia's not playing at the moment, so I can only guess that it's just about creating the the greenest, fastest wickets of all time uh, at the moment in some kind of climate-controlled uh, environment. I mean, what, what sort of work is going on behind the scenes to ensure that um, England do not have any success while here? It's planning the preparation. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a, you know, we've been starved of test cricket, but it's a busy run-in, and it's a busy run-in for a range of other formats. So it's... Yeah, how are we how are we competitive in the T Twenty World Cup, but also how do we make sure that we're we're balancing those objectives with performing really well in in the Ashes, which is which is the priority. So, um, and that's that's the balancing act for everybody at the moment. And then you then you add in quarantine, you add in all of those additional challenges. And that, you know, I think what's really important is that we're really really well planned. So now that the guys are back from from um, the IPL safely we've got they've got, literally got two weeks off and then it's regroup in Brisbane and it's basically plot out very very carefully um, each of their individual programs so that they're mm. um, we're in best mm. best shape come the summer uh, I'm sure you would have noted this from overseas and there's all sorts of extraneous things that can happen that can throw a team off its course Um beyond any kind of controlled preparation and planning, but you would have followed the Ollie Robinson episode over in England. Uh, he's been suspended for racist and sexist tweets. He published as a teenager. Um, overnight, as we go to where we've seen uh, UK Culture Secretary Oliver Dowden and Prime Minister Boris Johnson uh, condemning the ECB's action as over the top, um, there's probably pretty similar political and cultural forces that would be at play in Australia around these is- these kinds of issues as well. Um, as CEO, how would you have dealt with this were it an Australian player at the centre uh, of the episode? Yeah, I don't know too much of the um, ins and outs of that. I do know, I mean, we had some experiences over the summer um, which just show you actually how important, influential, you know, the platform we have and how respect and is just is just mission critical, and how people people looked up up to the behaviour of of everyone involved in in elite sport. Uh, you know, I'm thinking obviously, you know, there was the um, there was speculation around the Sydney Test, around mm. um, uh, those those elements. Which um, uh, equally, we had there's some strong views in the summer around. Um, how we refer to 26th of January and and that, and, and that debate. So, um, 
Yeah, I haven't seen, I haven't seen, I haven't seen the prime minister's, the UK prime minister's comments. Um, but what it just emphasises is we're in a, you know, people really care. We're in a position of influence, and and um, you know, we need we need to be taking leadership on matters of inclusion, respect, and I actually think cricket. Um, we've just got an amazing opportunity to uh, to to bring uh, communities together, and certainly something I feel very passionate about. Uh, you know, I think about the makeup of that team of West Bromwich Dartmouth. You know, we had um, I would say probably two thirds of the side South Asian heritage and um you know one of the things that i'm i'm really keen to see is that um australian cricket is truly representative of uh, modern multicultural australian society and that we all treat each other with respect i think it's a great place to finish it nick uh thanks so much for submitting yourself to us and um and whatever this is and thank you for your kind comments uh about us being part of the media uh, ecosystem that includes <laughs> amazon um, <laughs> And Channel Seven yeah. and stuff like that. Oh, you're you're laughing as you said that. Um, but thanks so much, mate. All the all the best in the role, uh, and uh, thanks in advance for uh, for delivering a crushing victory in the Ashes. Good stuff. Cheers, guys.